we have the youngest population on planet Earth. Over, uh, we have 1.4 billion people, and over 60% are under the age of 25. In a country like Nigeria, an average age is 18 years. In the US, the average age is 38. So we are literally the future of work. But we really don't have an option. Some of our students that we went to capture them from Mombasa, from Nairobi, from Accra, from different places, have never met them before. Right. And this is their life because they don't have the luxury of paying some thousands of dollars to go to some schools. Right, right, right. And that's why a lot of these things, the future of work, are to start even from here, the real concept of future work. Because it's expensive, it's luxury to us. And one of the things is when you look at mobile phone, for you or for some people in the Western world and stuff, they see it as, oh, this is it's luxury. It's just like something I need to use, communication too. For us, that's our hospital. That is our school. That's our work. That's everything for us. So right. when you look at it, we're not just doing it to fight the future of work. We just don't have a choice. Right. And we'll get to a place whereby we have to compete with people in the U.S. and say, we have the skills, we're better because we are more hungrier than those people. Welcome to Melia Cred Conversations with Elvis. I'm Elvis Melia, and at Melia Cred, we provide consultancy and research for economic development. In these conversations... I want to look at the question of whether or not the internet can provide new opportunities for workers in the global south, young people in sub-Saharan Africa especially, to find work in global labor markets, to find careers that hitherto didn't exist through the internet, whether or not the internet is making that possible, and if so, to what extent, and how it's making that possible. Now, in the last episode, we spoke with a researcher Vili uh, Leronvirta, who is looking at this from an academic perspective. And in this episode, we're kicking off a series of conversations from the ground. So the next nine episodes are coming from Kigali, Rwanda, where there is a budding cluster of business process outsourcing, global business services, and, uh, and, and, and online work. And we're kicking this off with my conversation with Adewale Yusuf, who is originally from Nigeria and who is a, a serial entrepreneur. And you'll hear that Adewale has a, a little bit of a different view on how much the digital realm by itself without physical agglomeration can do for young learners and young um, workers, which doesn't mean that Adewale is wrong or that Vili is wrong. It's just different perspectives on a very fast-moving space. So if you think about journal articles, uh, how long they take until they get through peer review, until they're, you know, ready for consumption, by that time, the space in a very young continent may have moved on already. And that's what I'm trying to contribute with this podcast to just go right to the ground to the front lines, wherever I can to, uh, to, to shed light on what's happening in Africa right now, um, whether or not uh, the research side is 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 continuously um, has has a better overview of 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 these topics, or whether we might be surprised uh, by what's happening on the ground. 
So with that, I hope you enjoy the, my conversation with Adewale as much as I did. Here is Adewale Yusuf. Adewale, we met in March. I think it was March, Right. Yeah. We met in March. We had this uh, global business services company uh, event here, kind of getting these analysts in to uh, see the place and um, you know maybe set up some business process outsourcing here. Absolutely. And we shortly met there. And you were also in our little clip in the GSA Yeah, I know. Clip. I saw it. Yeah. It was yeah. exciting. So let's move back. Let's see. Where did you, where are you from? So I'm from Nigeria and I, I live almost everywhere. So I love to travel, but now I live in Lagos, Kigali, Austin, most of the time. And you do, what's your work? So I run companies. So I've had close to a 10 years decade in, on the continent building startups. My, one of my startups is called TechPoint Africa, which was a media company. Think of it as TechCrunch, but for Africa. I ran that for over six years. Then I stepped down to run another company. I started another company called TalentQL. And our focus was to connect software developers and talent from the continent of Africa to global opportunities. Then, while we were doing that, less than a year into it, we realized like there was a major challenge, which is talent gap education. A lot of people are not educated or equipped enough. Then we launched Art School. We launched Art School to be a product of Talent Cure, but it grew really big. Within a few months, we had Within like two, three months, we have like 10,000 students across 17 countries. Then we realized this was big. Now, OutSchool is the major company on that talent is now a subsidiary of OutSchool. So that's what we do. And we, we're building the largest school on the continent of Africa because we realized like education needs to be different for Africa because the talent doesn't look like what the world has designed that this is talent. And some interesting numbers, when you, over 400 million people won't have access to post-secondary education just because they were born on the continent. It has nothing to do with their capacity, it has nothing to do with their brain, it has nothing to do with their mind, but because of where they were born. And that's the problem we are solving. Can we redefine education, which is skill to market for these 400 million people? And that's what art school is. You're building a school, it's a remote. So you don't need to go anywhere. Wherever you are, we will take the skills to you. And also, that will help us to use Talent QR, which is our job app, to bring also opportunity to you. So let's back up. We had about, in the 2000s, we had a big hype. We had this phrase, the flat world, right? The idea that once you can get on the internet, you can work from anywhere for anyone. And we kind of all swallowed that pill. We felt like, yes, finally, you know, borders don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter where you're born. Finally, we can get, you know, the internet is going to be that super highway. Yeah. And then we got, for, for various reasons, it's been disappointing. Yeah. Right? It's been, we, we've had the financial crisis. We've had the idea in the 2000s that we're going to have business process outsourcing from Africa en masse, 
right? They're going to spread from India and the Philippines and they're going to come to all these African countries. They're going to come to Ghana and Nigeria and Kenya and Zimbabwe. It's going to be great. I mean, 2000s, maybe not Zimbabwe so much, but... And you just alluded to it, skills development. What kind of skills do you develop? So, uh, but to backtrack a bit and address your questions, is those ideas were there in the early days, but they weren't, they weren't skills in the market. Or also, when you look at the outsourcing that goes to India and Indonesia and some of this market, some people took charge and some people took responsibility. Some people were responsible. They just decided, like, we are going to do this and they're doing it. And that's what we are doing now. We're some years, 10 years, 20 years behind, but it's not late to start somewhere. And that was one of the things we are doing. So we focus on, we started with tech skills. But we're going beyond tech skills. Any skills that within a year you can acquire online and you can be employable is the skill we are going to give you. So tech skills is coding? or, or... Yeah, we started with coding. Then we have product, product design, product management, product marketing. Then also we do, we're doing data, so different data. Then also we're launching more vertical. So we keep looking at what are the skills that you can acquire remotely. And we are partnering, right now we're speaking with some other companies because we are focusing on research. Like, what is the job market demanding in the next two, three years? Because we have the youngest population on planet Earth. Over, uh, we have 1.4 billion people and over 60% are under the age of 25. In a country like Nigeria, an average age is 18 years. In the U.S., the average age is 38. So we are literally the future of work. We are now designing people for yeah. that future. Like, yeah. let's equip people. Let them have the right skills that they can do the job. And we have a lot of things that works for us on the continent of Africa, even compared to some Asian countries. For example, language is good to us. A lot of Africans speak English. Then apart from the language being English, time zone, we have a friendly time zone. We are parallel with Europe, with UK. Hmm. And also when you look at the US, we are five hours, six hours behind. Compared to other markets like Asia, there's like nine hours, yeah. 10 hours. So there's this idea of the flat world. But at the same time, we're seeing that real estate prices in the clusters of the world, Austin now coming, right? But I know. Yeah, Silicon Valley. Everybody who's somebody in, in tech needs to have an office in Silicon Valley physically. Isn't that ironic? Because that's the place where they're building the digital world, right? That's where they talk about, you know, making the world flat. But it's not flat, and that's the place where you can see it, right? Manhattan, you need to be clustered. Right? In, in Silicon Valley, you need to be clustered. Now, there are new clusters coming, right? Nairobi is one of them. Kigali is hopefully one of them, right? So, but still, there's something that happens offline. And I'm trying to get that. When you're saying that developing the talent in Africa to serve the demand globally, somehow we need to bridge that thing that happens offline that doesn't happen online yet. So, it's a matter of time. You understand? And one thing you should know about, there are a lot of things we fight as human that takes decades before people make terms with it. 
I know like the time of railway and railroad and some of these things. When new idea comes, when new opportunity comes, it's very hard to fight things because we are social human. It's something we've learned. But over time, innovation finds a way to penetrate through. This is my own belief. I believe like some big companies from the US, from different places, they'll be having like talent office in the country like us. When it comes to sales, when it comes to marketing, they're still going to be in some of these countries, but they will realize like building, where talent that actually built is shifting from Silicon Valley. I've been following a lot of conversation, like a lot of offices are empty in Silicon Valley, a lot of places are empty. But when we rush, because we weren't ready when COVID came, a lot of the virtual world we moved into, COVID accelerated it. But now a lot of people are still fighting it back to say, oh, what really happened? Because we've not built enough technology to support us. For example, Metaverse, for example, I know a lot of people fought it, but I used to believe in Metaverse because I knew something needed to happen. One of the first books I read, no, not one of the first book. Yeah, one of the first books I read on MR and AR was uh, Satire, the CEO of Microsoft. And when I was reading the book, I could see a future whereby Virtual reality and mixed reality. Like, you can sit somewhere and dance with your wife. And you will feel it. Or when you travel, you can hold your daughter to bed at night. And you will feel it. She will feel it. Or he will feel it. Whatsoever it is. But it's a lot of investment. We were to get into it gradually. But COVID came and accelerated it. And a lot of things had to come. There are a lot of products we have, like I look at now, like we really need, but we don't have yet, especially in managing people. Because I look at a lot of HR software and stuff, and it's still very difficult to manage because sometimes a lot of things are there, a lot of people are building. But we'll get to a place that is ineffective. Now our communication, networking with people, like we don't need to know each other before, and we talk to each other and you trust like, oh, I'm seeing this person in the country I'm going because some things happen, which was like the Facebook, the Twitter, the LinkedIn. But this other next phase, it's a lot of technology that you require. So we'll get to a place whereby we will address the norm and the people will realize because wherever there's talent, people have to be there. And that's what we are building. We see a future whereby some of our clients in the U.S., some of the companies like Google, they will have office that's just going to be for talent in like a continent like Africa. That's just focus on product, focus on engineering, maybe solving for another market from different... Because you have to go where talent is. And the connection we are looking for, the connection will now be community-based. Because there's something amazing we're able to do at art school, like, we realize like there's something that works in traditional school, which is community. Your alumni network in school is very important to you, even though you, even if you denied it. When you are added to the group, you're excited. After 10 years, 20 years, people still reconnect. Because it's community, we are social beings. Then we now created that in the school, whereby we bring just people together. And we're able to do the community. So until we find some technology 
and we are going to replace that. We are not going to change that. Right now, I see a lot of technology trying to say, change who we are. No. We are still who we are. Technology just needs to enhance it and support it. And until, because it was really crazy, COVID was 2019 to 2021. It's still kind of there. But a lot of things came within that period. It was very short. But not everybody will go back to office. It doesn't make sense any longer. Do you think there's a difference in seniority in the sense that for experts, people like yourself, working online is easier because you already know how the game is played. You already know the business. But for young people, a 20-year-old coming out of school, a 22-year-old coming out of university, you know, and green people, do they need a space like Norskin? Do they need a hub where they are with people? You know, we had this WeWork uh, rise and fall. I still think that the rise, was, there was something behind it. Norskin is similar, right? Like this community, like you said, right? I feel a bit of it like a hypocrite because... I believe in the digital technology bringing the labor market together, yet I travel here to speak to you face-to-face -face so I can touch you if I want to, right? So, and if you let me. No, no, no. I, I, the connection is even stronger when you see people in person. Yes, yes. But go ahead. So, yeah. so I, there are two questions in what I'm saying. One is, is, do you see a difference, young people and older people? For older people, the internet, and you know where I'm going because I'm kind of thinking, yeah. For, so, so here's an interesting thing is, the, the millennials, a lot of people controlling the workforce now are millennials like me because the boomer, the late boomers are still there. But the, what the late boomer knew for office is different. And as human, we always hold on to what we know because over time we've thought like, oh, this thing happened. Then we, we millennials well. We saw this type of thing. Like, oh my God, you must come to full office this how many days a week? You must do this. But the new generation, even the Gen Z, beyond Gen Z right now, they are going to now be learning. Their school will be online. Our school was online. Physical, everything had to be physical. But they, their school will be online. So their work will be online. Their neighbors, their classmates are no longer going to be the next person they can see. And that's what we have created already. Mm. Because we literally build the future of school. Your classmate is not going to be the next person you see. Someone was telling me from the office, say, oh, yeah, my classmate is actually someone, our circle lead is from Ghana. And it costs everybody. This is an old school. Yes, in old school. So this is online. You, you, it's 100% online. You're doing everything, everything online. Everything online. How old do students have to be at old school and what are the prerequisites? So you have to be, for now, we do minimum of 16 years because uh, it's a post-secondary education. Then also you must have like high school living certificate because we is a skill to market platform. But... As I'm saying is the future. When you look at the future, when people now learn for the first time. Right now, a lot of people are still fighting the concept of old school because they don't care. 
And if I keep telling people, this is a school, it's not a boot camp. People are used to boot camp, but now people see old school as a supplementary, as a supplementary, like, oh, I just added it, it's a boot camp. It's not. But it takes a while for people to understand it. So alt stands for alternative. 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 So it's a it, it's a fight. It takes a while for people to get it because people are still used to. I need to go to school. I need to sit down with people. I need to spend three years with people. But we're saying now you don't really need to. It's the same thing that will happen in the workforce. And don't forget, the gen the millennials they will get to a place they will retire as well. The way the late boomers are retiring. So there will be another process. The Gen Z are still going to have the idea of here or there. But now, for example, people working remote and now be like, oh, wait a minute. Even if I want the network, I can go to this hub and I can meet other product managers. I can meet other people. We don't need to work on the same project, but we can connect. We can have our events. We can meet. And that's the future. All right. So I see three construction sites. One is the talent side, right? How ready are people, right? I think that's old school. Yeah. The second is the trust on the demand side, right? People saying, oh, I'm going to send my services to Africa, right? In the global north, right? The third, and I think it's kind of connecting the two, who's going to be the intermediary, right? Is it going to be Upwork? Is it going to be Andela? Is it going to be a big BPO that sets up shop in the country? How is it? Is it all going to be in the It's class? going to be talent cure. That's why we have the job app. And also some other people. Because, for example, even in the future, we're going to be telling platforms like Upwork, Fiverr, and like say, hey, you know us. We trust all these people in our platform. Why not let us work with you, help you verify and use this channel as an African stock? But one thing I believe so much is these things are inevitable. They will happen. But we need to just have the talent in the market. Because by the time you see the, what these talent are solving, you don't have a choice. On the demand side, companies really don't have more choice than we give yeah. credit to. There are no workers there. Is there <laughs> no workers, no workers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no talent, no talent. You have to go to where the talent is. Where are they, by the way? Do you know? Because so, I'm wondering, I'm like my town is empty in Germany. Like people aren't, every everywhere is looking for workers. What happened? Where are, where did they go? So, physical worker like is gone. A lot of people now realize like, hey, I can actually get my job remotely and move out with my family. So there are people went home for the for the pandemic, and they went online and they became YouTubers or what? what yeah, they became different stuff. They became all kinds of versions of YouTube. Even in Austin and some of these things, the restaurant guys, the people serving at restaurants, they just started to learn how to code and they started getting software development job. They wrote, I can get this and still live with my family. Because the most, the most important thing is you have to know the family. The family part of everything is important. The people that cares about you. And that's your genuine community. Because right now, we might not know, but there's a major war against what all of us believe to be work. The future of work is not, advanced, is not going to adjust this. 
is different work entirely. Which means we cannot have people in Kigali. You can have people in Lagos. Our production team in Kigali are in Lagos. They are colleagues. They work with each other, but they don't need to be here. But in the past, I would say, oh, you must leave your country and come to work with us. But you must know. Now I can be your colleague. And we can work on the same team. We are in the same department. But maybe we don't need to see every time because I have to go back to my family every night. And a lot of people, that was why a lot of states are congested. People are now thinking, wait a minute, why do I need to live in Berlin? When I can live somewhere else with my family, I can still have access to the same network. I, I understand that point, and I, and I want to believe it. But let me push back. Why are the global centers of the world still... Are you saying this is changing right now because the real estate is still so expensive? It would take a while to change. But will it change all the way in terms of, in this silly metaphor of a flat world, meaning you can go not just from Kigali, but you can go to Giseni or any village between Giseni and here. You can, you can work from anywhere as long as the infrastructure is yeah. there. Theoretically, I agree. And I think I could because I can go and work from my cottage or something. And you can because I already have my network. That's what I was getting at before. But the people in the beginning, like mm. they're starting out. Even if, they, even if they don't have to move to Berlin, they still have to move to Kigali, right? They still have to be at Norskin, right? They, they still, yes, yeah, so there have to be some connection. And that's one of the things I'm saying, like, everyone needs to get decentralized with their team. And to my point earlier, these things happen so rapidly that we didn't ease into it. We didn't plan it. COVID forced it. So a lot of people still have their belief. For me, the concept of remote work is not the office. Because offices are going to also be remote. And that's why we are here. I met my team here in Kigali for the first time this week. And we were all excited. We did some project together. That doesn't mean that we've not been seeing them online. We've not been talking. And we have operations here. You mean the concept of, of remote is, not, so t you mean not work from home, but remote means work from anywhere, but still in an office environment? Is that what you're saying? Not just office environment. Even the office needs to be remote. So here's what I'm saying is, the major thing is about comfort. How close is some of these things to you? So if I have talent in Kigali, what says I can build a very big office in Kigali that is work for them? But I won't have to force them to come to Nigeria. I won't have to force them to come to anywhere. And also, we will get to a place that we will make peace with the fact that maybe they don't really need office. Except there is something like studio and some of those things that still need. Because a lot of offices in San Francisco are getting to be empty. Really, most of them have been seen to it. I was in a lot of them. And people are still being productive. Because you won't be forced to live in a city that you don't have, I can't afford. But, and I'm, I hark on on this point because I, I want to get under the skin of this. Is that okay for young, for job entrants? How are they going to find what you and I have already, which is a network of people who we've been face to face, right? We know each other. 
uh, we've had coffee together, kind of, you know, maybe a beer. And that is something that we will remember two years down the line. If you now move into this space before, we're kind of in between maybe, we're after the physical space, but not yet in the metaverse, right? Where it doesn't matter if we have haptic suits on and, and we don't, it's the same, right? We feel it, there's this in-between space and I'm worried about the young people right now and you have this real world insight. Like I'm just in my head, right? Yeah. But you have this real world insight. How is it working at old school for young people? Do you already have, are they bridging that already? So, so let me tell you, an interesting thing was when we were launching old school, the question was like, oh, the physical school is still important. You still need to go to school. You still need to see your teacher. You still need to see your classmate. Well, guess what? When we started, we replicate the same model. We have something we call, I'm trying not to give all my ass secret sauce out, but it's okay. We have something we call learning circle. It's a circle of 10 people studying the same thing. These people now have solid relationship with themselves. Very, never saw different each other, never, see, never saw each other in person. Yeah. Like what, never. like different countries? Different countries. Okay. There was one that they tweeted recently. They bought a shoe for one of their circle mates on the bed table. Contributed. They've never seen each other before. So there's a there's a bond. That's a massive one. And that's what is happening in the work. It will take a while for all of us to understand and adjust, especially the millennials, the late the boomers. Yeah, we we <laughs> and we is because we are the one that controls the workforce now. Yeah. And it's on us to build that set to, for other people. Help. Yeah. Yeah. But that circle that we created, because art school, I keep telling people like, art school is defining the future, even not just for African. I met one of our students in San Francisco, he's in Mexico. Some of the people that are now becoming best friends to people, the concept of best friends is even changing, which means they are not people who have never been to your country before. And you've never been to mine, and we're now best friends. It's the same thing that will happen in work because now they are learning remotely. They will work remotely. Their colleague will now work remotely because before, this is what we are used to. And when you're done at night, coffee, hi, hi, everybody, you can go back to say, oh, your people, the people you know. You have your friends that are different from your... I mean, so I'm still... Because I've had some excruciatingly uncomfortable Christmas parties on Zoom. Right, where you're sitting on Zoom and everybody's there because we have to be, and it's a Christmas party because yeah. we can't be together, and it's kind of. I'll give you another example: communicating to my sister and her daughters, and my two daughters and my wife, through the digital medium, is such a, an uncomfortable space because it's it's as if we're all trying to speak through the same keyhole. Right. So that personalized technology in groups like I, I, I assume it's coming that we can have like a screen where, you know, if, if my daughter speaks to her cousin on that side of the screen that they can speak to each other. I'm thinking of this group feeling that you can have that you can work out together online. Um, we have some things are starting, but it's still see is starting. Don't forget that the future of work is not even what we have now. The COVID version forced us into it. And it's very raw still. Yeah, it's, it's very, very, we were not comfortable. We were just forced into it. Yeah, so they have to catch up, right? But we're getting it. to, I have my colleague 
that I work with, Colin, we've worked together for over 18 months and we've never met. And the first time we met, maybe for like first five minutes was like a bit awkward. But after that, we pick it up. But you guys are both professionals. You guys over, already have been in the, in the we've field. We've worked together. That was the first time we've met, but we've worked together for 18 months. Already, okay, okay. And she can finish my sentence in a meeting. Right. I have a similar experience it's with a, one It's colleague, the same thing, but it would take a while. Yeah. And that's why old school working as a sources is a metric. It's something people will eventually learn. Because people can work. We just redefine. Because it's been working this for a very long time, and this is what we are known to. It's human. We feel like because this is what we are known, it should be like that. But the moment, the old school, they realize that everyone is remote. So we brought different people from different places. They know, like, this is what unites us. All right. And so we just realize, oh, what unites us is what unites us. So are you, are you going radical, like, kind of hard on the digital front? Or are you kind of working with both worlds in a sense? Like, Andela, what, what initially was the program, and I'm not sure that's anymore the case, but placing people in tech companies in another country means most of the time working remote, but also having some intensive time face-to-face -face so that they know each other. So like, like a two-week time where you actually have met We can't scale that. The reason, so we're building old school, not for because we want to do remote school. Because it's in, we don't have an option. All right, okay. And the Western world, the rest of the world, can fight some of these things because there's an option. The budget for schools in Boston is bigger than Nigerian entire budget. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's... So, they have infrastructure existing. Those infrastructure, some people that are building will still fight the concept. But we really don't have an option. Right. Some of our students that we went to capture them from Mombasa, from Nairobi, from Accra, from different places, I've never met them before. Right. And this is their life because That's they don't right. have the luxury of paying some thousands of dollars to go to some schools. Right, right, right. And that's why a lot of these things, the future of work, are to start even from here, the real concept of future work. Because it's expensive, it's luxury to us. And one of the things is when you look at mobile phones, for you or for some people in the Western world and stuff, they see it as, oh, this is it's luxury. It's just like something I need to use, communication too. For us, that's our hospital. That is our school. That's our work. That's everything for us. So right. when you look at it, we're not just doing it to fight the future of all. We just don't have a choice. Right. And we'll get to a place whereby we have to compete with people in the U.S. and say, we have the skills, we're better because we are more hungrier than those people, than mm. people you see. And the future is about, it's if we live in a capitalist market where the best skills have to take the job. And it's how much you want it. So when we are creating our school, we're not just creating our school out of being fancy, like you reward, oh, pay $3,000, no. Just like, can you do it? And the best of the students are staying. And they're putting staying everything. Yes, yeah, staying. In, the, in their home. In retaining for the, because after years, you have to churn. If you don't pass your exam, 
They are working day and night, working day and night to make sure they stayed. There's some video I will show you later where some of our students, they are not what the research has said in the past that this is what students should look like. They're not. It's crazy how we're kind of in this exciting time of change right now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a big change. We are not ready for it. It's in a way it's scary because we don't know what's coming, like how it's changing, but in a way it's exciting to be living in this time. It's exciting. Also people, you know, yeah, people moving abroad for work, you know, and then having this tremendous pressure from home to send home remittances, you know. That's now, if that's an opening, if that's like a wormhole, you can work on your computer and... You can you work anywhere. You close it and you're with your family, yeah. yeah. Let me let me switch to a, a slightly maybe the other side of the coin. Digital work, exporting it through the ether, right? What about companies? We're working on getting companies, global business services companies, and this is where I come back to my work. What we do, we try to make different African countries attractive for these big global business services companies, BPOs, right? Tell them, okay, Manila is full. You know, India is full. It's kind of, you know, they've, they've reached a, uh, the levels where it might be good to look for a new place and look at Sub-Saharan Africa, look at the demographics, uh, look at some of these cities, the way they're growing and what the talent is and what there's not so much opportunity in the domestic market, which, you know, helps in terms of being price competitive globally. Um, bringing these companies to these different African countries or is that something where I'm thinking when you were working in Nigeria and in Rwanda, I feel like those two countries are such opposites in the sense of Nigeria has got all the people and Rwanda has got all the government, right? So a company that wants to come to Rwanda will have a, an easy going with the government. A company that comes to Nigeria will find the talent, <laughs> right? How do you use the digital space to kind of link the best aspects of these different countries together, if you know what I mean? So... When I came to Rwanda, till date, whenever anybody heard of me in Rwanda, they are just like, what are you doing here? And I keep looking at them like, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. Because even my students, the least, I know it's not even Rwanda, the least of the numbers that we have. However, Nigeria, Rwanda has something that Africa needs. Infrastructure. The government that thinks that really wants something for the market. And I look at things and I said, Rwanda is going to be like Dubai, which is the hub. And you have to be in the hub. Because the concept, so in Nigeria, it's natural for me to say, for something like art school to be in Nigeria. But it's unusual for it to be in Kigali because everybody is like, the moment they heard we are in Kigali, what are you doing? I'm here because I know like this is the hub. It's a neutral ground. Hmm. It's the same way like Dubai is for North Africa. It's what I see Kigali being for Sub-Saharan Africa. So how would that how would you kind of implement that? You have this place, this peaceful city in Kigali where and that's why we brought these investors here to show them, look, you know, this is, you can walk, this is not Johannesburg. You know, yeah. you can walk the streets at night, you'll be fine. Like it's, and it's, and it's very comfortable. 
And at the same time, you've got these massive young people in Kenya, in Nigeria, to some extent in Ghana, you know, and uh, yeah, even in South Africa and even in Egypt, like in places that are maybe less, what you call it the hub, right? Less, yeah. less stable. Less stable. And so connecting that. like See, con- we have a lot of talent living for Europe, for UK and some of these things, and they are far from Africa. What I'm trying to use Kigali to do, and I'm talking to some people here, I'm talking to the government as well, is Kigali should be the place people want to go. Because when people get comfortable, the next thing is no longer going to be the food. It's going to be peace of mind, security. And talents are leaving these other hubs, rushing to UK. Which, once they get there, they really had no much value to the continent. What if we make Kigali that place they come to? Mm-hmm. That's yes, like sir. Carnegie Mellon University, um, African Leadership University. Like the concept is kind of this hub yeah. strategy. It's a hub. This yeah. place is a hub. So how would you, with old school, if old school is all digital, why would you need a hub? No, why would we tap into our base? There are still some parts. People still need to leave. There are some things that still need to happen. The conversation that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. You need to bring some conversation. We build studio here because we want to shoot a lot of our content. We are not going to have a physical school. But we are going to have a campus that is a talent campus. Mm. Not school campus. Because the concept, whenever you mention campus, it changes conversation. They think it's school. No. Campus where people will work, people will live, people will do remote work from here. People will be able to work for t- with different companies in the world. And we will be able to bring talent from any part of Africa. That's the future. That's the dream I have for this place. Because as much as other places have, we're losing senior talent. Because the moment security gets to be, the moment people are comfortable, the moment they are earning two, $3,000 a month, they start thinking about their health. They start thinking about their security. And that's why we're creating it. So your work and my work, mm. your work is exporting digital, like a pl- so first we're it, not just exporting. You're skilling, right? Skilling you're, you're and talent because some of our talents are going to fix the continent. Because right. we're teaching them, they will solve their local problems. Sure, sure, but I also think if you're bringing in revenue, then you're also solving the local yeah. problems, right? So exporting is nice. I mean, if you're... It's not fully exporting because when you look at one of the major reasons I'm solving this problem, at my previous company, talent just got super expensive. We have to train our own talent to employ. And we took these people from internship and they went to be something, people very big, people massive. So then I realized there's opportunity here. So I'm training this for other local talents because talents are super getting are getting super expensive that people can't afford and they are also thinking of exporting to India, which you can't afford. But now, if you can wake up with some hundreds of some few thousand dollars or hundreds of dollars, you can employ a good talent. That's what we are solving. We will solve all our local challenges then also we'll be able to export because we have the largest young people on the continent. So if you have a pie chart yeah. of what you're teaching in terms of soft skills and hard skills and communication skills, what, what, is it, what, is the, 
the secret sauce of what is your, 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 what are you teaching? So here's the thing is, I used to be a developer. I started my, I learned everything on that. And I know what medium, what class is not just technical. It's soft skills and some important element of how to build. Some of the best talent today that you think, seeing some, name the company. Some of the best companies. They still Google some coding solution. Because coding is not for you to memorize. It's just for you to understand the architecture, the design, how to do it. So I won't give you the answer to the pie. Because it's still one of our secrets. But we make sure like we scale people in the soft skill. And that's why global companies are hiring them. That's where I'm getting to. So how we connect your work with my work. So if I manage to bring companies to Kigali or to Lagos and, yeah. and say, okay, let's set up a BPO business yeah. process out. Let's set up a call center. Yeah. And it's, we have this derogatory term call center in a way that people think it's a, it's, it's a not, you know, the work isn't sexy, you know, it's, it's not coding, right? It's calling a customer service. But if you look into that industry, they're, they're serving across the skill spectrum, right? They're serving all kinds of things. I mean, one of the call centers here works for a, a global blue chip company, right? So taking call, really high-end calls, like yeah. more complex calls. If we can convince the companies that everything else is here, like in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of the governance, right? In terms of the ecosystem, uh, can you bring from the ecosystem? Can you bring the workers and the, the absolutely, absolutely. That's what we. That's what. That's the plan. We can bring the talent, and we are not just going to just bring the talent from this market. We're going to bring the talent from the neighborhood market that will be able to grow. There's a model we use. We train to hire. Like demand driven. Yes, you and I today. This conversation we are having. There are some people that we train to hire in the market. Because when we enter the market, where's the talent? And I've been doing this for close to 10 years. That was why we had no issue, even at my previous company, TechPoint, just train to hire. We get you in, we give you a skill, we even pay you to learn the skills within few months. So how long is old school education? Is a year. One year? One year. Okay. One year. Okay, and then... What's the what's the goal at the end of it? Is it are you do you have an old school certificate that's recognized or do you have is it the placement that's the I guess both are important. So we have a diploma that we work with uh, under the state of California. Uh, we have an exemption, so we have a diploma that you will get because we still know like we live in a world where people still believe in certification. However, it's not going to be the future. But we should give people diploma. Then also, we make sure they find internship, especially paid internship as early as possible. Because if a grad, someone is graduating from art school right now, they're not just graduating and just writing code that doesn't make sense. They've learned data structure algorithm. They've learned technical writing. They've, if they write a code, it's a code people can build on. Build on. They know open source. We taught them all these things. And that's the difference. Why this market is going to change. Because the knowledge we are giving them is the same knowledge you will find with someone in San Francisco at their level. So now, make the world a play free ground. So if we bring companies to Kigali yeah. and we want to get workers who, for them right now, the main thing is English language skills. 
right? How many people can you get us every month that have B2 English? And then we can still help them work on the job and have training calls, right? So I can't give you a number, but it depends on how many number you want. You will get it. And one of the other things we are also trying to work with the government is this place needs to be, uh, what's it called, needs to be up. When you look at Dubai, Dubai is actually over 80% expatriate, people from different places. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Rwanda will be. Mm. Because all that people need to feed on the infrastructure to make sure it helps the market. Great talk. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a good conversation. Yeah.